The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network, hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com, and you can email us at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. Cowboy T here. Welcome to episode 61. I've been considering doing what's called a home build of a firearm. Yeah, I haven't decided to, well, pull the trigger, no pun intended, on it at this point. Actually, yeah, the pun was intended. But it's an interesting thought. Seems like making one's own gun could be a pretty fun project. And it would teach me even more about how firearms work, and knowledge is always a good thing. You know, people used to do that back in the day. And that tradition continues in this country. People make their own guns, and it's perfectly legal to do so, as long as you follow the rules. Basically, that means uh, don't make what's called a Class Three firearm, meaning no machine guns, no rifles with barrels shorter than 16 inches, no shotguns with barrels shorter than 18 inches, no suppressors or silencers, eh, you know, that sort of thing. Also, if it means that if you should wish to sell your homemade gun to someone else down the road, say, I don't know, your buddy down the street, well, you simply need to engrave a serial number on it. That number can be of your own choosing, as long as there's one on there. And if you don't ever sell it, then you don't even have to do that. Lots of people do this. There are people with their own machine shops who make, say, a a Remington 700 pattern bolt-action rifle. Oh, not because it's less expensive to do so. I'm pretty sure it's not. But rather, just because it's fun, and they can. (laughs) They just want to see if they got the metalworking chops to do it. Sometimes, by the way, that's how companies get started, actually. Uh, Here's an example. Roy Weatherby, he got started that way. Yeah, building his own guns in the 1940s down in his basement, and people liked them, so he started selling them. This was, you know, long before the Gun Control Act of 1968, so people had a lot more freedom to do that sort of thing back then. My understanding is that Roy Weatherby was originally an insurance salesman who just happened to like making guns as a hobby. He'd take a Mauser 98 rifle action, he'd do like they did on the $6 million man TV show. You know, for those of you who remember that, he would rebuild them. He had the technology. He had the capability, because that's the word they used on the show, capability, to build an even more powerful hunting rifle. God, I remember that show. That was fun. But anyway, back to the main subject here. Um, back then... Roy Weatherby and other custom gun makers, you know, they were respected for their craftsmanship and their dedication. Roy would put out a press release, and the media of that day would publish it, just like any other press release. Roy constantly preached one major, major thing that he believed in, and that was the benefits of higher velocity in a hunting rifle. Uh, He had movie and TV stars who used to hunt back in the day uh, buying his custom rifles back then, just like nowadays they buy Apple's iPhones and iWatches and the, the other iJewelry today. <laughs> uh, the fact that we now have a bunch of Magnum cartridges, and I mean a bunch of Magnum cartridges, like, for example, the 300 Remington Ultra Magnum, the 300 Dakota, the 300 Winchester Magnum, Hornady's new 300 PRC, the new 300 Norma Magnum, and so on. All that tells us that Roy really was ahead of his time. He was right. A lot has changed since then, though. Now, if you do what Roy Weatherby did, you get labeled a terrorist, a criminal, gang banger. 
you know, so on. Basically, people in positions of power try to demonize you for it. And that really sucks because I think Roy Weatherby did a really good thing. And his company builds very, very good rifles. I've shot them, I know. His son, Ed Weatherby, runs it, uh, the company today. Without Roy, we probably wouldn't have a lot of these uh, cool new cartridges that we have now. Today, Roy's custom home-built guns would have been demonized by politicians and media folks as, get this, ghost gun, ghost gun, ghost gun. Yeah, that's what they call them now. So if you uh, make your own gun, just like Roy did, there are people out here who will attack you for it. They will do anything that they can do, that they can do to, uh, you know, what's, what's the term? Name and shame you. That's it. Name and shame you. They try to paint you as a criminal, a dangerous individual. Yeah, just because you had the, the, the nerve to have some fun and make your own gun. And that's even more unfortunate these days because, guess what? Modern guns tend to have a modular design. That means these designs naturally lend themselves to a pretty cool home build. Yeah, people have been doing this for decades with AR-15s, for example. Matter of fact, uh, the AR-15 has been referred to on many occasions as, and I quote, Barbie for guys, because all the cool aftermarket accessories you can put on them. Well, the same thing applies, by the way, to the Ruger 1022. Yeah, uh, the most popular 22 in America, I understand. You can build, you can actually build a Ruger 1022 without actually using any parts from Sturm, Ruger, and Company. <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> the aftermarket for the 1022 is that complete. You can build your own 22 and trick it out to be extra cool if you want. And I've seen some. Or you can build one that's pretty much stock if you prefer. That's That would be my preference if I were to do that. I kind of like stock. But that's the point. You get to have fun with it since it's your home build. And that's pretty darn cool. And people have been doing this with 1911 pistols, by the way, for years. This is nothing new. I've seen some very cool custom 1911 home builds. Even got to try a few out at the range. These are some nice 1911s, folks. I'm serious. They're balanced well. The, tr the triggers are, they're, are crisp and clean. They shoot right where you aim them. The whole thing. It's hard to do better than a really well-built 1911, folks. Um, I'd say perhaps a nicely tuned-up Smith & Wesson revolver would be a good comparison. They're just sweet. And, as you might expect, Glock-style pistols also lend themselves well to home builds. That was kind of the point when Gaston Glock designed that pistol. And, yeah, people have made some pretty cool Glock-style home builds. I haven't gotten to shoot one of those just yet. Not yet. But the reports I've heard have been pretty positive. Well, now there's apparently a war against even that. Yeah, the antis don't want you to be able to do a home build, it seems. Matter of fact, they've come up with a new negative marketing term for this. That term is ghost gun. Ooh. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this time. We're going to be talking about these uh, so-called ghost guns, as the media call any firearm that you make yourself. Yeah. Uh, just like the negative marketing term assault weapons, you know, coined by Josh Sugarman of Handgun Control Incorporated back in 1988. Yeah, just like with that, we have 
another negative marketing term to deal with now. That term is ghost guns. This is a term originally coined by California State Senate Majority Leader Kevin DeLeon. Now, this guy is a confirmed, repeat, gun grabber type. Once mandatory confiscation of firearms, the way Ferdinand Marcos did, you know, right after he took over the Philippines in 65, Kevin DeLeon and others like him would really, really like to be able to do that. I wish that were an, exaggerate, an exaggeration. I really wish it were. Unfortunately, though, it's not. Together with other gun grabbers, they're doing anything and everything that they think they can get away with to make it as hard as possible to actually exercise your Second Amendment rights. Oh, but Cowboy T, that's California. They've always been weird out in California. That's not my state. Huh. Well, being from California myself and San Francisco in particular, huh, I know. <laughs> You're right. But here's why what they're doing in California should matter to you as well. Remember, the current Speaker of the House, Representative Nancy Pelosi, is a California politician. Our current Vice President, Kamala Harris, is also a California politician. And the current Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, is from New York, where they have basically California-like gun grabber laws, maybe even worse. What they're trying to do, and they may actually succeed given the current political situation, and that's what's scary about this, what they're trying to do is impose California-style laws against our Second Amendment rights, but this time at the federal level, and that's bad. Basically, they're trying to do a, as goes California, so goes the nation. And that's why we've got to care about what's going on in California right now, because they're trying to push that nationwide now. And after what they call assault weapons, yeah, well, their next target's going to be, guess what? Yeah, what they call ghost guns. Ooh, hmm, sounds scary. You know, ghost gun. Must be bad if it sounds scary, right? So just what does the term mean? What do they mean when they say that? Fortunately, I was able to find California State Senator Kevin DeLeon's announcement about this, the original one. Yeah, it took me some time to find this recording, but I did find it. It was State Senate Bill 808. It is now law in California, so it matters to know what they're talking about. Remember, as goes California, so goes the nation. And we have two California gun grabbers in very powerful positions at the federal level right now and a New York gun grabber to go with them. They are using Mr. DeLeon's pseudo-logic to attempt to justify yet another ban. Several times here on the Liberals Gun Corner, we've taken what the Andes have said, we've deconstructed it, and explained just why they were so wrong. We're going to do that here as well, with Mr. DeLeon's pseudo-logic. You will not hear this kind of analysis on major media channels, unfortunately. So it's up to us. It's up to the San Francisco liberal here to do it. And we will begin with that right after the break. This is going to be fun.
Okay, we're back. We are going to take apart this uh, so-called uh, ghost gun pseudologic from the antes, specifically that of California State Senator Kevin DeLeon. I really wish the likes of CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, even Fox, you know, the big news outlets, I wish they would do their job and actually look at this critically. Really wish they would. But since apparently they won't, it's up to the liberal here. Let's begin. Good morning. Uh, we're going to start the uh, press conference. Uh, good morning to each and every one of you. Uh, tomorrow in the Senate Safety Public uh, Committee, I will introduce legislation to ban the sale, the manufacture, the purchase, and trafficking of plastic and self-assembled firearms, also known as ghost, uh, ghost guns in California. Okay, we've got a vague idea of what he's talking about here. So-called plastic and self-assembled firearms. Hmm. Well, we got a problem already, though, because uh, plastic firearms could refer to pistols from Glock, Ruger, Smith & Wesson, you know, Springfield, and a host of others. The frames on those guns are plastic. Yeah. So right away, I wonder if he even knows what he's talking about. Well, let's keep going. Advances in technology, specifically 3D printers using digital blueprints, can now make plastic, fully functional guns that can slip through metal detectors and X-ray machines in airports and elsewhere. Okay, already now I know for sure he's talking a bunch of BS. Already. Because there is no such thing as an all-plastic gun. That's the movies, folks, not real life. Why? Because no plastic barrel, especially from a 3D printer's plastic, is even remotely strong enough to hold together when you fire around through it. No. You try firing around through a plastic barrel, it's going to explode in your face, probably injuring you severely. All barrels are made out of barrel steel because they have to be. Assuming a semi-automatic pistol, the slide also needs to be metal, by the way. And even if... Somehow, someone could even could 3D print a gun barrel and a slide that would actually somehow hold together. And you can't, by the way. But even if you somehow could, the ammunition is, you guessed it, metal. Yeah, specifically brass, lead, and copper. So guess what? It's going to get seen by metal detectors. Uh-huh. This is why I refer to Mr. DeLeon as Mr. The Lion, because that's exactly what he's doing. He's lying, and he does know better. Let's continue. The threat is real. We're even beginning to see an emerging industry and market for ghost guns. They are being produced without serial numbers or records of sale. No one knows that they exist until after a crime has been committed. So he wants to automatically assume that making your own firearm, automatically assume that making your own firearm which has been legal in this country ever since its founding, that just that alone means you want to go out on a crime spree? Uh, projecting much, Mr. The Lion? The firearms are called ghost guns because they do not have serial numbers and the owners have not undergone a background check because nobody even knows that they exist. Ah, now we're getting to some here. Okay, remember that in California... They require registration of every firearm in the state. They want to know who has guns and where they are, and that's what's led to confiscation in California before. 
Uh-huh. We talked about that in episode 10. And they've continued to confiscate guns since, uh, ironically, at gunpoint with essentially a SWAT team descending upon your home. And uh, this is happening to innocent people who are not criminals. No, I don't want the government knowing where the guns are. I don't want them registered. And that's why. Also, 3D printed guns may have detachable metal pieces and be slipped past metal detectors. Ah, 3D guns, eh? (laughs) Well, first, everything physical is uh, 3D, folks, including your car, your bicycle, your keys. You know, hello, laws of physics. But let's get to the real meat here. He's going again to that myth that you can, and it is a myth, that you can possibly somehow have a gun that will uh, sneak through metal detectors. It's just plain nonsense. We don't have the technology even today to make an all-plastic gun with no metal parts. Well, at least not one that won't explode in your face if you try firing it. And certainly not from a 3D printer. And again, uh, ammunition is also made of metal. So it's going to be seen. New technology that makes manufacturing guns available to the general public also raises questions about whether homemade guns are made by dangerous individuals. Yeah, everyone who makes a homemade gun is apparently automatically a uh, dangerous individual. Yeah, right. Well, so is everyone who buys a car. You know, they're dangerous. They're just waiting for the right time to mow down a bunch of children waiting for their school bus. Really, that's about what he's saying here. And yes, it's that silly. Uh, By the way, a car is way, way more dangerous than a gun, in fact, if you want to kill someone. It's a 3,000-pound missile capable of going well in excess of 100 miles an hour. Um, And uh, the SUVs that you see on the road so often, they're even heavier. Just look at the annual cause of death statistics from the CDC. Vehicular homicide is at or near the top every year, exceeded only by, I think, heart disease. To be legal under SB 808, the measure that I will be introducing tomorrow in the Senate Public Safety Committee, ghost guns will have to be registered with the Department of Justice through a serial number and a gun owner background check. Yep, there it is. He wants registration. Yeah. The only reason for demanding gun registration, as history has shown us time and again, is because you're getting ready for confiscation. That's the only reason. And I really do wish this were just hyperbole, folks. But history has shown us otherwise. It's not. In order to receive a serial number, the self-made or assembled firearm must include permanent, let me underscore, permanent metal parts that cannot be detached and that can be detected by metal detectors. Um, again, there he goes again. You know, he's pushing the myth about undetectable plastic guns. We've already debunked that. But he's learned over years, I imagine. You tell a lie often enough, and unfortunately, some people will come to believe it. In December, just last month, Congress refused to update the 10-year extension of the Undetectable Firearms Act and addresses and address this emerging threat of 3D guns. Simply put, if Congress is not going to protect the public, we will. Okay, first, let me tell you a little something about that federal Undetectable Firearms Act that he mentioned. That came out back in 1988, signed into law by President Ronald Reagan. 
Yeah. Well, again, we see that old St. Ronnie was no friend to the Second Amendment. He was a gun controller, too, unfortunately. But remember I said earlier that Glock pistols would also be banned? Remember that? Well, that was the actual original target of the Federal Undetectable Firearms Act. It was Glock pistols. That's right. The politicians were buying into that uh, undetectable plastic guns are dangerous nonsense that we've already debunked. Jeez. So Kevin really is targeting not just homemade firearms, but all plastic guns. And that bit about uh, if they won't protect the public, we will bit. You know that bit that Kevin spouted off to? Interesting how he's trying to misframe his uh, ghost gun law as somehow protecting the public from the threat. You notice that? You catch that? Gotta love that creative wording, huh? Well, given the Gestapo police tactics that they use in California, just what threat does he mean to protect the public from? People like himself? Gavin Newsom? Their armed thugs? Well, how about protecting the public's civil rights instead, huh? How about that? The threat is broader than 3D guns. We need to make sure that homemade guns do not fall into the hands of dangerous criminals and the mentally unstable. Well, that's any gun, period. You know, there are laws already on the books about what we call prohibited persons. If you've been found guilty by a court of law of either a felony or a misdemeanor domestic violence charge, you are prohibited legally from buying a gun, period. You're not allowed, full stop. That's already on the books. Same goes for if you've been adjudicated uh, mentally deficient by a court of law. Emphasis on court of law in both cases, by the way. There needs to be due process before our government officials just start treating you like a criminal or mentally defective. Laws like these, however, they automatically assume that you're just itching to go commit a crime spree if you're one of the many people who make their own firearms at home. Gosh, you might as well make brewing your own beer at home illegal, you know, because you're just going to go right out in your car and drive drunk. Yeah, untraceable alcohol. Yes, it really is that silly. It really is. We'll continue this analysis after the break. Much more to come. Okay, we're back. Let's continue. If you're just joining us, uh, we're breaking down the pseudo-logic of the antis with their negative marketing term, ghost guns. Let's get right to it. With that, I want to show the process for creating a a ghost gun, which is quite shockingly simple. If you can just focus on this piece of metal right now. This piece of metal is the engine of a gun. You can't see it, of course, uh, since this podcast is audio only, but I can see the video. What he's holding up is called an 80% lower, and it looks like it's made out of aluminum. 
It takes significant machining to actually turn that into what he calls an engine, properly, by the way, called a lower receiver for an AR-15. I know because I've talked with people who've done this. There's a fair amount of work involved, so what he's actually holding up is no uh, engine at all for a gun. It's not a receiver, and there's no way you can use what he's holding up as is to actually make a firearm. It's not going to happen. The guns that you see right up here, semi-automatic weapons as well as automatic weapons and sniper automatic weapons. Oh, yeah, he's got to throw the sniper word in there, too, you know, just to try to scare you some more. Oh, sniper's going to kill me. Oh, no. <sighs> Let's keep going. The engine, the heart to those guns specifically is this piece of metal. This is called the lower receiver. And this can be purchased online. It can be purchased at gun stores. It can be purchased at county fairs when they have gun expos. We have one this weekend, Cal Expo in Sacramento. It can be purchased, obviously, in Reno, Nevada, Las Vegas, Laughlin, Phoenix, Arizona. This, again, is the engine to the high-powered and semi-automatic assault weapons that you see displayed here today. He's still holding up that 80% lower, which needs major machining to actually become a firearm. So it's not a lower receiver. He is right about being able to buy them online at gun stores, county fairs, and also in neighboring Nevada. Well, of course you can, just like any old gun part that's not actually a lower receiver. You know, such as iron sights, a barrel, a barrel shroud, uh, excuse me, shoulder thing that goes up, a trigger assembly, or a buttstock. No difference, because an 80% lower is not a receiver. He's trying to bamboozle you into thinking that it is. With that... The lower receiver, an individual can buy this $80 to $100 online. This doesn't have a serial number, and it doesn't require a background check. Of course not. It's not a firearm, and it's not even a lower receiver. Might as well be any old lump of aluminum for as useful as it is in its current state for actually building a firearm. Again, you cannot build a firearm from what he's holding in his hand, folks, not without significant work to it. Oh, uh, by the way, did I mention that what he's holding up is made out of aluminum? Yeah, aluminum. That's a metal, folks. Yeah, remember those metal detectors that they're so worried about, you know, ghost guns being able to slip past? Well, he calls that a receiver. It's not, but he calls it one. And it's made out of metal. It's going to get detected anyway. He's proven himself wrong just by what he's holding up, folks. Jeez. All the person has to do is secure this jig. Go to someone who has a drill press. You insert this lower receiver into this jig. You go to someone who has a drill press, and God knows throughout the state of California, especially in my district and industrial areas, you can go easily to any drill press uh, a bit and make the holes necessary. Okay, here at least he finally acknowledges that you have to actually do the proper machining to turn an 80% lower into an actual receiver. Yeah, sure, there are jigs to do it. Of course there are. But now he's talking about people who have machining equipment. 
and a drill press is a type of machining equipment. You've got to have access to machining equipment to do this. Your hand drill from Home Depot ain't going to cut it, not even close. You need proper machining equipment. And guess what? It's not hard to get a CNC milling machine either, folks, because the plans for an AR-15 lower receiver, you know, they're in the public domain. That's right. The plans for AR-15 lower receivers are in the public domain. Remember, it's a mill spec, so it's public. I know machinists, and they've told me that there's really not much difference between using a low-end CNC machine and a block of aluminum versus uh, an 80% lower a jig and a drill press. Matter of fact, I just priced some low-end CNC machines that are actually capable of milling aluminum. Yeah. They're in the $300 range, folks. That's about the price of an inexpensive drill press from Home Depot or Lowe's or some other hardware store. You know, 10 years ago, yeah, yeah, there was a big price difference, you know, because CNC metal machining equipment started at 20000 bucks and went up. Now they're like 300 bucks. So the antis are really trying to make a tempest in a teapot here. It's kind of disgusting, if you think about it. Once you make the holes necessary, it becomes this. This is the lower receiver, again, the engine. And then the engine becomes this. This is the difference between one block, which creates a ghost gun of metal, and the actual engine itself. Okay, now he's holding up an actual completed aluminum receiver. Then he holds up another aluminum receiver that's been anodized or coated. Most aluminum equipment is anodized, you know, to protect it. To make that receiver, as I've just gotten through explaining to you, requires machining. He is absolutely 100% correct in that you can make a receiver out of that 80% lower. You absolutely can do that. You can also make a receiver out of a solid block of aluminum with uh, one of those $300 CNC milling machines I just mentioned. What's he going to go after drill presses and CNC mills next? We have here a semi-automatic weapon, which is illegal in the state of California. Nonetheless, this has a serial number. This weapon right here can be detected by law enforcement, but specifically through the Department of Justice where the purchase was made specifically, and by whom. This is a gun that was manufactured by a gun manufacturer. First, the AR-15 that he held up. Yeah, it's, it's illegal for the mere people, yeah. But the cops have arsenals of AR-15s. No, no, wait, actually scratch that. The police get to have M-16s, the machine gun version, the real military version. He's actually holding up an M4 carbine. I'm, I'm guessing it's some cop's patrol rifle. What's up with that? I thought he wanted weapons of war off of our streets. So why does he want the police carrying weapons of war on the streets of California? Does he really consider the police like his own state army? Well, apparently, yeah, he does. He, he arms the police like they, they arm the infantry that we do send to our Afghanistan and Iraq. What does he want? Actual peace officers? Or warriors. And as for that M4 carbine uh, manufactured by a gun manufacturer, what he really means is a gun manufacturer that's in the business of gun making for profit. However, the way the laws are written, at least the federal ones, if you make a homemade gun, you have manufactured 
a firearm. That's federal law, folks. Doesn't mean it's illegal. It's not. Federal law has no problem with you manufacturing your own firearm for your own use, long as you follow the rules, like we talked about at the beginning. So uh, he's playing fast and loose with terminology here just to confuse you. With the purchase of this lower receiver online through the Internet, you can go on YouTube and you can create this illegal weapon. This is a ghost gun. What he's holding up now is a short-barreled rifle. That's a Class Three firearm, same category as a machine gun. And you can do that with any AR-15 receiver whatsoever, folks. Doesn't matter where you got it. Uh, you, you can take the AR-15 you brought from DPMS, or, or Smith & Wesson, Ruger, Springfield, any company's AR-15, stick a barrel less than 16 inches on it, and you have what Kevin is holding up. Uh, so this is definitely not unique to homemade receivers. And by the way, you could do this with a bolt gun, too, a bolt-action rifle. You can saw down the other uh, rifle and make a 10-inch barrel. Guess what? you got a short-barreled rifle. That's it, just as illegal. Again, you can also go run over schoolchildren waiting for their bus in the morning with your 3,000-pound missile known as a car. You can do that. You can stab little kids with your kitchen knife like some lunatics did in China. You can kill someone with a baseball bat or a chainsaw. But obviously the vast majority of people who own kitchen knives, cars, baseball bats, and chainsaws don't do that. Duh. <laughs> Same with homemade receivers. Again, he's projecting big time. And all the while, he's got a phalanx of armed bodyguards with badges protecting him. Uh-huh. If you could see the video like I can, you'd see two of those armed bodyguards standing right behind him on the stage, protecting him. Funny, that. This right here has ability with a 30 caliber clip. I'm sorry, what did he just say? What was that? Did, did he just say 30 caliber clip? This right here has ability with a 30 caliber clip. Oh, my God. He really is talking out of his backside because obviously there's no such thing as a 30 caliber clip. <sighs> to disperse with 30 bullets within half a second. What? <laughs> Again? Oh, my God. Time for some fact checking, folks. 30 bullets in half a second? That's faster than even the fastest M16 machine gun can fire them. When I was in the Air Force, I actually fired the M16, so I am familiar with this rifle. The rate of fire for an M16, and that also, by the way, includes the M4 carbine version, is between 750 and 900 rounds per minute. So even at the fastest rate, uh, 900 rounds a minute, that means 15 rounds per second. So, in Kevin's half a second, that's between seven and eight rounds. That's not even close to 30 rounds in half a second. Now you see why I call him Kevin the Lion? It's because he's lying through his teeth. And people actually trust this guy and keep reelecting him? 30 magazine clip in half a second. 
Whoa there. Whoa. What was that? Uh, did he now just say 30 magazine clip? 30 magazine clip in half a second. Are you serious? Wow, I wasn't aware that you could fit 30 magazines into a clip. Whew. Let me tell you what a clip actually is. A clip is a piece of metal, generally made out of spring steel, Yeah, that you use to load magazines with. Yeah, you use a clip to load a magazine. An M1 Garand has a clip, and it's eight rounds. The old German Mauser 98, yeah, the one we fought against in World War II, that's got a five-round clip to load into the gun's magazine. So do Mosin Nagat rifles. That's what a clip is. There's no way you could fit even one magazine into a clip somehow, folks, let alone 30. Now, do I know what he really means, even with his crazy terminology? Yeah, of course I do. But it goes to show you that he's, a, he's like that New York representative, Carolyn McCarthy. You know, the one who wanted to ban barrel shrouds, even though she had no idea what a barrel shroud is? Yeah, she called it a, a shoulder thing that goes up. Here's what I'm talking about. Listen to this. In February, you introduced the Assault Weapons Ban and Law Enforcement Protection Act of 2007. It would regulate semi-automatic assault weapons, including weapons that have pistol grips, a forward grip, and something called a barrel shroud. Weapons with a barrel shroud would be regulated. What's a barrel shroud, and why should we regulate it? I think, I think the more important thing is that it also would have had banned the large capacity clips right. that Colin Ferguson had but used, I, and also uh, the killer. Okay. But I, I read, the, I read the legislation. I'm sorry, I read the legislation, and it said that it would. Regulate barrel shrouds. What's a barrel shroud, and why should we regulate that? The guns that were chosen back in uh, in those days were basically the guns that most gangs and criminals were using to kill our, our police okay. officers. I'm not saying it was the best bill, but that okay. was the best Do bill. Do you know what a barrel shroud is? Time. I actually don't know what a barrel oh, shroud is. Okay, because it's in your it's legislation. A thing that goes up. No, it's not. I- you know, if you consider something so evil that you insist on banning it. You should at least know what the heck it is, especially when you're the one writing the laws to ban it. That's what legislators do. That's their job. They write the laws. You know, lawmakers, that means they should know what the heck they're talking about when they talk about something. Kevin clearly doesn't, and neither do the other legislators who write bills against the Second Amendment. Time for a little break. We'll be right back where we will continue breaking down this nonsense. Stay tuned. We're back. Let's continue with our deconstruction in liberal quantities of this ghost gun pseudo logic. Let's go. This was not manufactured with a legitimate gun manufacturer, either in the United States or in another country. Oh, he's going there, is he? He wants to determine legitimacy, does he? 
Yeah, we used to do that with people, you know, call them illegitimate. You know, this is if they were born out of wedlock. Not so long ago, folks, that was a major social stigma that we used to put upon people. I'm just old enough to remember that. Oh, we can go further, by the way, with this legitimacy test of his, too. Uh, We refer to illegal immigrants, don't we? Yeah, a lot of people don't like that term because it calls into question whether that person is legitimate. That's right. My fellow liberals, we learned not to call people illegitimate a long time ago. And we have no business going back to that. Person making their own farm at home is no less legitimate than some big money corporate gum maker like DPMS, Bushmaster, or Smith & Wesson. Uh, Mark Serbu of Serbu Firearms, you've heard of him? Yeah, he started out a one-man shop too, just like Roy Weatherby did. So is he also therefore a not legitimate? No, Kevin DeLeon, you better watch it there. You better watch yourself very carefully if you're going to go there. Don't question people's legitimacy in any way. This was actually made illegally in someone's garage. And this was also, my understanding, a use in a crime in the state of California. Yeah, because it's a short-barreled rifle. That's why it's illegal. (laughs) I'm looking at the video right now, and that barrel's way less than 16 inches. I put it in around maybe 11 or 12 inches. Unless you're a Class 3 manufacturer, it's illegal to do that. But that's illegal no matter whether the lower receiver was bought from a for-profit big corporate gum maker or if you milled your own receiver out of that block of aluminum. doesn't matter where the receiver came from. It's still a short-barreled rifle regardless. And it's thus subject to the National Firearms Act. So who made the receiver is irrelevant to the gun's illegality in this case. And regardless of who made the gun, committing crimes of any sort is already illegal. Yeah, that's why we call them crimes. Using a firearm in the commission of a crime is yet another charge. So, again, who made the gun is simply irrelevant in this case. We have this weapon. which is an automatic sniper weapon that is used by our troops in the military in Afghanistan. Again, this is a weapon, is a ghost gun. No serial number. You cannot trace it. It's undetectable. You don't know who purchased it. You don't know who made it. Ooh, it's automatic. It's a it's a sniper weapon. Scary. Oh no. Oh no. And worse yet, he's totally wrong. He's holding up another gun now, see. Uh, you just heard him say, you just heard him say that it's an automatic sniper weapon that's that's used by our troops in the military in Afghanistan. If it's a homemade firearm, what he calls a ghost gun, then it would never, ever be issued to our troops in Afghanistan or anywhere else. I've been in the military. I've been in the Air Force. There are specific rules for procurement of anything, and that includes firearms. For the M16 and the M4 carbine, it used to be Colt that had the contract. Now it's FN Firearms, you know, um, the European company that has that contract. And that's all that's ever going to get issued to any of our troops. 
Even the police don't issue homemade firearms to their officers. No. And I can tell you for sure that no actual sniper in the military would use such a home build. No. They use the Remington 700 sniper weapon system. And that's a bolt-action rifle anyway. It sure isn't automatic. So much fail. And then, oh, then he says it's undetectable. Well, the fact that he has it in his hand means they sure did detect it now, doesn't it? <laughs> Whoops. And as far as a no serial number, oh, you can't trace it, uh, you know, etc. all that business. We've had criminals grinding serial numbers off of guns for years. This is nothing new. They still do it today. Of course it's illegal to do that. But obviously criminals do it anyway, generally with stolen guns. They're criminals. They're not following the law. If someone commits a crime with any gun, then what matters isn't necessarily who bought the gun originally from the gun store. What actually matters is who committed the crime. That's who you should actually be going after. And for that, you check fingerprints like they've been doing for decades. It starts again with the lower receiver. He's holding up that 80% lower again. This is now definitely in the category of tell a lie often enough and you'll get some people to believe it. Once again, you cannot make a working firearm with that 80% lower in its current state. It takes machining to do that. And that is a difference between an automatic weapon that is a legally purchased weapon with a serial detectable number by the Department of Justice in the event if it's utilized in a crime and a high-part assault weapon, sniper version, used by our troops in Afghanistan, patterned after the AR-15, commonly used by U.S. military. This weapon is illegal. It's a ghost gun. It's been used in crimes and cannot be detected to the manufacturer or to the owner of this weapon. Oh, oh, so much fail here. So very, very much fail. Let's get to it. First, when he said an automatic weapon that was legally purchased, he was holding up the M4 carbine with a serial number. You know, the one I mentioned earlier that looked like a policeman's patrol rifle. This is the one that the same one that just a few minutes ago he said was illegal in the state of California, but it was made by a gun manufacturer. In other words, what he calls a legitimate manufacturer, one of the big corporate gun makers. He also said it was illegal in California. However, you also just now heard him admit that that particular M4 carbine was legally purchased. His words. He also referred to it as automatic. Again, his word. So he's just admitted that the M4 carbine that he's holding is A, a machine gun, and B, therefore, purchased legally by a police department because they're the only ones allowed to legally purchase an automatic weapon. So what, the cops can have uh, weapons of war on our streets, real military gear? Oh, that's just wonderful. Where are the antis that should be protesting against that? Huh? Where are they? Where are they at? Oh, and then he goes back to holding up a different gun, an AR-15 with a standard-length rifle barrel. Now, this is what he calls a high-powered assault weapon, sniper version, used by our troops in Afghanistan. 
And then he calls it, for the second time, a ghost gun. This is meaning that it's a home build using a homemade receiver. I just got through explaining that home builds of any sort, whether they use homemade receivers or store-bought receivers, are not issued to our troops. They are not used by our troops in Afghanistan. So that's another lie. And as for his use of the word sniper, well, that can be any gun. That's granddad's 30 out 6 if you take decent care of it. Any rifle. Any rifle can be used as a, a sniper rifle, folks. That's what you're doing when you go deer hunting. You're sniping the deer. Yes, that's what sniping is. It's, it's, it's woodcraft. And uh, one of our nation's greatest snipers, no less, no less than Gunnery Sergeant Carlos Hathcock, you know, Mr. Whitefeather, he said as much. He said it wasn't the killing that he enjoyed. It was the hunting. Because even since he was a boy, he loved to shoot and he loved to hunt. That guy right there is the reason that the Marine Corps has a sniper school today. It's because of Gunny Hathcock. He's one of our greatest snipers ever. And even he said that hunting is sniping and sniping is hunting. You don't get more authoritative than Gunny Hathcock, folks. And yes, he used a bolt-action Winchester Model 70 in 30-06. Literally, granddad's 30-06. And this is why I call this California senator Kevin the Lying, because that's what he's doing. Lying to you and to the rest of the nation. Let's continue. Again, let me highlight and underscore again with the jig, a simple piece of metal that can be purchased lawfully. You take the jig, go through the drill press, you create the necessary uh, uh, conditions, You purchase the barrel, the barrel protector, the stock, and the other components necessary for the trigger and the trigger release. Again, this is the engine that drives the semi-automatic and automatic weapon. Without it, it doesn't function. It doesn't work. And this can be purchased separate pieces and assembled quite easily in garages throughout the state of California, and it has been. Yeah, it's been done for years by home builders, and in almost every state, it's perfectly legal and safe to do so. But California officials just hate it when they don't have their thumb on the people's civil rights. Remember the old Sam folks? Gun control isn't about guns. It's about control. And that's exactly what this ghost gun legislation is all about. Control. Break time. We will conclude this analysis as soon as we return. See you shortly.
We're back, and this is our final segment of this critical analysis. And uh, remember the Big Bang Theory uh, show, folks? Well, as Sheldon Cooper from uh, the Big Bang Theory put it, it really is... Malarkey with a big side of poppycock. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, Sheldon. So let's get back to it. So with that, um, I'd like to bring up a a good friend. Um, One more thing, a couple things, actually. These guns already exist because they're in the hands of criminal felons, gang members, drug cartels, as well as the mentally ill. I'm sure a few are, yeah. So are guns made by Smith & Wesson, Ruger, Springfield Armory, Kimber, and a whole host of other gun manufacturers. But he's implying here, well actually he's almost outright stating here, that the only reason these guns exist is because criminal felons make them. And that's just plain wrong. We're back to you know the kitchen knife, the baseball bat, the axe, or the chainsaw examples again. Let him prove that, then. Let him prove his assertion that the guns exist because, that is to say, as a result of criminal felons, gang members, drug cartels, and the mentally ill. He's using all the big, scary words designed to frighten you. I propose that, no. Just the opposite. The vast majority of home builds, including homemade receivers, are done by law-abiding people like you who just have a creative streak and want to know more about their firearms. Same type of people who make their own go-karts or their own doom buggies. And I cannot see a fault with that. But the antis, like Kevin, want to demonize all of you who want to do a home build as a criminal felon, a gang member a drug cartel member, or mentally unstable. Wow. Could he possibly insult law-abiders like you any more than he just did? Maybe. Maybe he could. But I think it'd be kind of a tall order to beat an insult like that. It reminds me of that college professor named uh, David Hemingway who we discussed a while back. This is a fellow that called people like my dad a wimp for actually defending himself from knife-wielding racists by drawing his gun. Kevin and the other aunties remind me of this, this Hemingway jerk. Just last year, in June 2013, John Zawari killed five people in Santa Monica. Those individuals were Marcela Franco, her father, Carlos Franco, as well as Margarita Gomez. He also killed his father and his brother using a homemade gun, a ghost gun. Although he was originally denied from purchasing a gun by the Department of Justice, the DOJ was doing its work. Because of mental health issues, Zarari was able to purchase a lower receiver online, which he used to modify and craft the AR-15 style rifle that was used in the shooting. And despite being denied the purchase of a gun, he was also able to skirt the law by obtaining the separate parts online and assembling his own assault weapon. Given that guns can easily be purchased online or made at home with 3D printers, there's no way for law enforcement to ensure that prohibited individuals are not assembling guns on their own. Well, of course he's got to make it personal now by tugging at your heartstrings. Of course the crime that he just described was horrific. No question. Remember Adam Lanza? The murderer who killed those 20 little kids and six staff members? This is at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary School back in December 2012. Remember that? Remember him? 
a horrific crime of epic proportions. And that gun was bought legally and with a background check. It also had a serial number on it. Adam Lanza was mentally ill and thus a prohibited person. It was his mom's gun. So clearly, Kevin's notion that making homemade receivers illegal will somehow stop crime, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It will not stop horrific criminal acts by criminals or the mentally ill. His bill will not stop that. That's not what works. Now, towards the right, you see a poster board of a plastic, undetectable ghost gun, another version that with advancements of technology could be used in short range uh, 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 shootings. uh, And this can be boarded on any airport, any plane in the country. It could go undetectable by TSA. Oh, wow. What a whopper here. Uh, Again, Kevin is just plain wrong. A plastic chamber and barrel cannot contain the pressures that ammunition runs at. We're talking about 18,000 PSI just for 38 Special. And if you go to 9mm, the most common out there, you're talking about 35,000 PSI. You're talking double. Sorry, no plastic barrel is going to be able to contain that level of pressure. Just not going to happen. The barrel has to be made out of metal. Furthermore, the ammo is metal anyway, like we already talked about. You know, uh, brass, lead, and copper. Yeah, any of that's going to show up in a metal detector, folks. And therefore, it's darn sure going to show up on these these new uh, advanced body scanners that the airports use nowadays. The TSA is going to catch that. As my dad used to say, instantly, if not sooner. And the airports have had these new advanced scanners for, what, uh, over 10 years now? So Kevin is lying to us yet again. As you can see, folks, they're not just doing lies of omission. That's bad enough. A lie of omission is bad enough. They're doing straight-up lying to our faces. If they got a lie to justify their bad legislation, then, well, that should tell you something about that legislation. As the old saying goes, where there's smoke, there's fire. And they sure are blowing all sorts of smoke, as you just heard. Folks, building your own gun is a hobby that we've been practicing as a nation for several hundred years. Matter of fact, the Remington Arms Company was founded on that very principle. Yeah, back in the day, Eli Remington was not satisfied with the quality of barrels that he saw from existing companies. So, he figured out how to make a better barrel. And those barrels were such an improvement that people wanted him to make barrels for their guns too. He started Remington Arms Company from that, and, well, you know the rest. Eli Remington started making complete firearms for sale to the public. That's how Remington got started. All because Eli Remington wanted to do a home build. Today, plenty of people do their own own home builds. And it's not just for AR-15s, either. Uh, As I've mentioned, they do them for 1911s. They do them for Glock-type pistols. They do SETME or HK-91s. There are several types that lend themselves to home builds. I know of at least two people, personally, who've done their own Remington 700 bolt-action builds. And that includes the receiver, by the way. Yeah. The AR-15's modularity certainly also lends itself to home builds. People have been building receivers for years. Or milling their own receivers. You know, for a long, long time. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this. And trying to demonize people who engage in this hobby is like... 
It's like trying to demonize, I don't know, uh, machete or chainsaw owners just because you saw the Friday the 13th movies. It's like trying to demonize people who buy kitchen knives just because you saw the movie Psycho. It's like demonizing uh, car owners because of that murderer who ran over the woman during that whole mess in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017. You remember that? But you got to remember, this isn't about guns. Rather, it's about control and always has been. Gun control has always been about control. That's why they come up with uh, catchy negative marketing terms like ghost gun for a home build. Well, what, should we start with ads showing Casper the friendly ghost at the range enjoying some some target shooting with an Armalite rifle? (laughs) Well, that sure would be a true ghost gun. (laughs) Actually, I think that'd be kind of cool. It really is about control, folks. It's about the government officials knowing where the guns are so that they can confiscate them for whatever crazy reason they dream up. You don't need that gun. Only the police and military need guns. Several Jewish survivors of the Holocaust might disagree. They used what we would call Saturday night specials. Yeah, you remember that term? That's another negative marketing term. Yeah, they used what we would call Saturday night specials to shoot Nazi stormtroopers hell-bent on killing them. They would then take the better gun off of the dead stormtrooper and use that to defend themselves going forward. Yes, this did happen. If you deny it, then, then you're denying what those Jewish people did to defend themselves from the Nazi gas chambers, and that means you're anti-Semitic. You really want to go there? Really? Yeah, I didn't think so. The Nazis did not know who had these simple guns and who didn't, and that, obviously, was a good thing. There are people at the national level, folks, who want to make this California law into a federal law as well. That would be a very bad thing for the preservation of liberty here in this country. The right to keep and bear arms, that is, us the people having guns and being able to shoot back if need be, that's the only thing that really backs up the rest of the Constitution. Remember why gun control was first instated, folks. I keep reminding you of this. They wanted to know, which of them that niggas has guns? We'll confiscate them. Always remember that, folks, as Mark Heim, a Swiss Jew, put it. The key to freedom is the ability to be able to defend yourself. And if you don't have the tools to do that, then you are at the mercy of whoever wants to put you away. And the tools for that are guns. Right on, Mr. Heim. Right on. And shalom. This is Cowboy T signing off. Until next time. Till then, safe shooting. Keep your politicians under control. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.